Hi, I'm Deirdre Veldon and this is Confronting Coronavirus, a new daily podcast on the COVID-19 outbreak. It's St. Patrick's Day and the word surreal has been mentioned more than once. People have been staging a most unusual series of celebrations across the country. um, This is very surreal, as I'm sure uh, we're all in a strange dream together. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to play a few tunes, myself and Oshin. From living room concerts by some of our best musicians, to bell ringing, to dressing up in full parade regalia and standing bemusedly at your own front door. President Michael D. Higgins was on hand to offer words of humanity and solidarity. Today, as the world faces the global spread of the coronavirus, we are called more than ever to follow the values embodied in the story of St. Patrick. Those values of solidarity and concern for the well-being of our fellow citizens will play a fundamental role in our effective confronting of the challenge with which we are now presented. Many of us are dreading tomorrow as the start of a new phase of adapting to life with coronavirus. A phase in which it becomes routine to stay at home and work, study or try to put down the time in a fruitful way. Our reporter Suzanne Brennan spoke to psychologist Mark Smith about creating and following a routine and how we should address our own anxieties and those of children. This global pandemic, it's like nothing any of us have ever seen before in our lifetimes. And in essence, that kind of means there's no real rule book for this. So what are we learning about ourselves as a society as this unfolds? I think we're learning a lot of things. Um, I think we're learning all individually what it's like to feel anxious, to feel the effects of uncertainty and not knowing what's going to come next. So for many of us, that's that's a, a unique experience. Um, but I think what we're also seeing is we're seeing wonderful examples of solidarity, of people pulling together when times are tough, when tough decisions need to be made, and people are are accepting of it and welcoming of it and, and finding ways to support each other through these tough times. So it's only really in adversity that you find kind of what people's true strengths are going to be. But this is it. It is about coming together. And you've seen that where a lot of people have come on board to stay indoors, social distancing. But it does mean that there has been those bans on public places, the closure of schools, crashes. A lot of people have lost their jobs. And the thing is, if you tell people don't panic, there's just no use in doing that. So what is the advice you have for people who maybe are finding it especially hard at this time? I think that's an incredibly good point that, you know, not to invalidate people. Don't be worried. Don't be anxious. You know, it'll be grand. It, it won't be. People are dying all around the world. As you said, people are losing their jobs and more people are going to lose their jobs. So one of the first things that we need to do is need to make sense of our feelings. So people need to know that my feeling of anxiety, it's not only really makes sense. It's expected that we're going to be worried that we don't know what's going to happen. But it's also important to know that while, yes, we're employing social distancing because we need to, we're also not alone in how we feel. So this is one of these unique situations where everybody knows what it feels like to feel anxious about this this pandemic um, and what the implications of that's going to be. So for ourselves and for our friends and colleagues, important to validate and to check in with each other. 
but also I think most importantly for for our young kids to validate for them that their fears, their worries, their anxieties make sense and that we feel it too because like no other situation, we're going to have to role model how we manage our own anxiety. And it's important not to project your anxiety onto them. What's the best way to approach having that conversation with them to talk about it but not creating a sense of panic? I think it it is important that we don't project that sense of our own anxieties, but it is okay to acknowledge that we're worried too, because that'll help them to see that it's possible to feel anxiety, to acknowledge it. And it is important to talk about it, Um, but again, not not to dismiss it. So as adults, the, the thing that we need to be ready for is the questions. So younger children when their, their brains get active and their imagination runs away with it, they will ask lots and lots of questions. A lot of it will be driven by anxiety. So what if I get sick? What if you or mummy or daddy get sick? It's important for us to be ready and anticipate that we're going to ask that. So we need to be really factual with them, not to hide reality and to say things that, look, I know you're anxious. I'm a little worried too. I don't know if we're going to get sick, but there are things that we can do that will help us. So we need to follow the doctor's advice. We need to stay indoors. We need to wash our hands. And that will reduce the chances of us getting sick. But if it happens and we need to plan for the worst case scenario, if it happens that somebody gets sick, then the doctors will be there to try and help us to to get better. So in in factual, clear terms, but not hiding the reality from them. And it's probably a case that you should minimise their view of social media or the news and keep them at a distance from that. Absolutely agree, because even for us and for me, it's a constant bombardment from our news cycles, from our Twitter feeds, from social conversations that we're having, phone calls, we're having people checking in. There is really no escaping from this constant news cycle. And that isn't for us as adults. It's tiring. It can be overwhelming. So we can only imagine for our younger kids, they're going to be very overwhelmed by this. So, yes, we do need to be conscious of Do we need to have this conversation in front of the kids? Do we need to have the news on in the background all the time? For most cases, I would say no. Yeah. And even how to balance that for yourself, because it is an onslaught of constant information. It doesn't do anyone any favours, really. It doesn't. And in particular, it's it's not just the, the onslaught of the information, but the quality and the content of it. So I think at this stage, we'll have all received the WhatsApp messages telling us that, Mm. you know, the army were going to be on the streets today. It was going to be martial law. Everything shut down. And you know, for most of us, we can differentiate between what's clearly fake news and what isn't. But it is going to be difficult. So we need to kind of take a step back and really only check in on the reputable sources. So bulletins from the HSE, from the w- World Health Organization, they need to be our reliable sources, but only check in every now and again. There is no immediate benefit from us to be constantly checking. All that's going to do really is reinforce our anxiety. So we know that for most evenings at quarter past six, there's a news bulletin that we can check in on. That's a sensible enough thing to do. There's no safety you know, mechanism by which if we check every 20 minutes, even every hour, that will keep us safe. All it will do is, is reinforce our uncertainty and our anxiety. You mentioned this WhatsApp that was going around. Um, it was pertaining to be someone from the forces uh, promoting a lockdown on Mm. Monday. But a lot of people would have also seen the video circulating online of people in Temple Bar in the pubs over the weekend. Um, And I guess people must be asking, what were they thinking? You know what, I was asking that question myself. Um, And and I think one of the, we look at our our, our colleagues in in the UK, they're they're pushing a a herd immunisation kind of policy. Um, for me, the, the phrase that springs to mind is that we need to have a herd cop on policy. 
So, you know, <laughs> it is common sense. It's logical that you do not go out and jump around singing, you know, me touching you, hands touching here. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. And mm. I think while social media has its risks and, and it, it certainly can get too much, I think the power of it in terms of societal change has been really important over the last week or two. So we have seen hashtags created like shut the pubs and, and other things mm. where it is communicated as, as a, a society what we believe is appropriate, what our standards should be. And I think it's been really powerful to guide social commentary using this so we can all come together and go, do you know what? Actually, that's not OK. We all know our routine is quite out of sync at the moment. People aren't in mm. work. Uh, kids are at home. What would be the main steps that you can go about having a good day, I guess, amongst all of this? At times of uncertainty, routine is the one thing that's going to keep us hope. It's going to keep life somewhat predictable when everything else around us seems to be spinning. The one thing I would say about routine is don't leave it to chance. Mm. So when we get up in the day and we think, OK, well, what am I going to do? We'll figure it out as we go along. That's not really going to help you. So it does need more structure to it. It's OK, what am I going to do in the morning? What am I going to do over the, that midday part? What am I going to do in the evening? What are we going to do together? So the reality is that for a lot of us, we've got young kids at home we need to be structuring things like exercise. You know, can we play football in the garden? Can we go for a cycle in the park and maintain good social distance? Are we keeping up a good um, sleep schedule? Are we still eating at regular times? Because when we get out of routine, the basic things that we need that keep us well, such as sleep and eating um, and exercise, they fall by the wayside. So we need to really prioritize those. The fourth thing that's really important, yes, we're having to maintain physical safe distances from others, but it doesn't mean that we have to exclude social contact because we need to feel connected to others and especially with risks of kind of loneliness and isolation. So again, this is where actually technology and media comes back into it. We have fantastic technology using Skype, WhatsApp, video call, Zoom, that we can still socially connect with others. So my kids are out of school, they don't have the GA anymore. So I arranged a, a WhatsApp play date virtually um, with their cousins and their friends separated by 50 miles um, but they all got to play and chat to each other show each other bedrooms toys so again it's that feeling of self-connectedness um, later on this evening I have a Skype video call scheduled with their grandparents because again they're old they're more vulnerable everybody needs to feel connected and that's where we can use technology to to maintain that and to keep as well in my family group chat, we were asking ourselves, what did they do in earlier pandemics when there wasn't WhatsApp groups or memes? So I do think we do have to take advantage of these things and, and, and look after ourselves as well. Mark Smith, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you for having me on. Here's what else you should know today. A further 69 people tested positive for the virus in the state bringing the total to 292. The HSE said it may run out of testing equipment ahead of the arrival of new supplies on Thursday. The 999-112 emergency line became clogged over the weekend with people's queries for information. And a public order unit has been set up in the Dublin region to respond to any major disorder arising from the coronavirus outbreak. My thanks to Declan Conlon, who produced today's podcast. And thanks for listening. Stay up to date with the latest developments at www.irishtimes.com. We'll be back tomorrow.